a couple more. Get, all right, get your swords. Here we go. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. I will walk in it. I will walk in it. I'll abide by it. I'll abide by it. I'll adhere to it. I'll adhere to it. Stand upon it. I'll stand upon it. It is my strength. It is my strength. It is my power. It is my power. Got a good start, don't we? Amen. Even though it's tumultuous times, it's exciting times. Hallelujah. You know, we can get too caught up in the, the chaos and, and get tunnel vision in on that and give that all of our attention. But the time we're living in is biblical. Amen. Come on. We're nearing the return of the Lord. Amen. That excite anybody? Well, something is fired up. Praise God. Yes. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Lord, help those that are not ready and not prepared. And I mean that with all sincerity. God, help them. They're just getting so far out there and so so bogged down in all the nonsense and worse than nonsense. And, uh, the church is the model, though. You know what it's supposed to be? Yes, amen. The church is supposed to be the example for hope. Mm -hmm. for the very thing people need whether they know it or not yeah. I'm going to tell you there's, you know, the only answer I've got is people are just blind and deaf yeah. to uh, the goodness of God and, and it's a shame but uh, I want to go to a book tonight it's a rather short book and it's written by the Apostle Paul to a young guy named Titus and that's the name of the book Titus is a, I guess we'd say, a beginning young preacher, pastor, evangelist. In this day, they, they kind of done it all. Uh, probably better known as evangelist because they're, you know, they were of travel. Uh, they didn't really have, per se, a church because these churches were very uh, limited and few and far between. However, they were growing. The Christian churches in this era of time were growing and they were expanding. They were, you know, churches uh, being uh, built and founded at different places. But it's like we know it today. You can walk out the door and you can see two churches and there's another one across town. That's three in Ravia. Well, you go to Tishomingo and there's, what, 20 maybe or more? Uh, that wasn't the case back then. And if we understand the scriptures properly, these beginnings were dealing with, with a, a lot of people who were new converts. New Christians, if you would. They didn't know come here from Sikkim about righteous living or anything of the nature. They just kind of got uh, their belief in the Lord and accepted Jesus as Savior. And here's these young ministers and Paul being, uh, I guess you'd call him uh, a superior to Titus. He writes him this short letter that we find in the Word of God giving him instructions. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. This is what you need to say. This is what you're going to be dealing with. 
Would anybody like to venture a guess as to why this was necessary for Paul to give instructions to this young minister that was getting ready to speak to congregations of people? Oh, yeah. Why is that necessary? Anybody know? My, my. The devil's going to come against the church. That they learn. Learn what? Well, they didn't have a word then. Other than the Pentateuch, which is the five books of Moses. A few of the prophets, but a lot of them weren't subject to the prophetic books. But what did they need to learn? How did they learn it? The very way Paul's given it to Titus, by word of mouth. Uh-huh. Amen. Word of mouth. Same word what word. are instructions? Let's just start there. What are instructions? Things to go by. Things to go by. Guiding principles. Knowledge. Now there's bad instructions and there's good instructions and we all know that, don't we? But we're not talking about bad instructions. We're talking about the instructions of life. And that's what Paul is relaying to Titus here to minister people in the essence of teaching and instruction. Teaching and instruction of what? Word. Let me get into it here and it's going to get real interesting. How they're supposed to live, uh-huh. which encompasses a huge arena. Uh, as I was preparing for this and studying, I thought, my, wouldn't it be great if much of the church today could come back to this that strayed and ventured off, and much of us become totally different than what the instructions were. Now, keep in mind here that this wasn't just Paul's ideas. These weren't just notions that this apostle, again, with apostolic authority, inspired by the Holy Spirit to convey to those under his auspice, so to speak. These weren't just something he had sat down and thought up and thought, well, this would be a good idea to teach on this. This come from the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knew, being the agent of God on earth that inspires and still inspires today, still the agent of God on earth. I seek Him all the time in preparation of messages and teachings. I don't come up here just off the cuff and try to say, well, let's see, what could we do tonight? I, I try to find out what do you want spoken tonight? What do you want taught, Lord? What do you want preached? What do the people need to hear? What do I need to hear? Amen. Well, that's kind of how Paul is here. He's given Titus instruction of what these people need to hear, including himself. This is a multi-directional instruction. It's not just zoned in on any particular. Matter of fact, when we get into this, we're going to see there's multiple individuals named in this little short excerpt, I guess you'd say, at least in, in comparison to the rest of the Bible. It's really short. Um, he is... Uh, ministering a church at the uh, it's a city, uh, a Crete and if you know anything about the Grecians or the Cretans and they were pretty much similar to one another they had all kinds of gods going on they had all kinds of what we would consider very very improper living taking place they lived in in an area that was engrossed in idolatry 
in uh, sexual gods and goddesses, uh, inundated with all sorts of things that would uh, direct them in any other way other than to God. And that's where, where he's positioned. Isn't it amazing where God plants people to tell people the truth? Yeah. <clears throat> if people already know the truth, they don't need to be told the truth, right? But here we find Paul giving this instructional letter to Titus here. And uh, namely, he, he delivers it in a way to the elders and to elders to be appointed in the church that kind of oversee and guide others, but it's not limited to that. It's speaking to everybody in the church. So why didn't he just leave it at that? Okay, elders, you need to know this, and that's good enough, and everybody else will fly by the seat of their britches. Because that wouldn't work, would it? At least according to God's design. The only thing that will work by God's design, first of all, is people that believe and trust in him and people that will live according to his ways and his will. That's why instructions come. We live in a society today that is so rejective of instruction, church included. Say the wrong thing, I'm mad and I'm upset and I'm out of here because I'll live my life like I want to. That's the attitude in many, many places with many people. Well, partially that is why this instruction is in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit knew what Titus was going to be facing. He knew what Paul needed to deliver to Titus, to deliver to the elders, to deliver to the people. Which, if everybody follows suit accordingly, things are great. And we're going to get into some of that here. But notice as we start here in, in chapter number 2, the very first word is but. It's not, not just a little word to be thrown in there to say, let's see, what do we start this off with? No, it, it has a lot of meaning to it. We read the previous two verses and then we'll identify that. Verses 15 and 16 out of chapter 1. Unto the pure all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Let's look at that real close. Look at the comparison here to a pure person and he's talking spiritually pure then everything they're about is going to be pure if you find pollution and contamination then it's not pure anymore and this is this is where he's bouncing off of to proceed now, keep in mind this was a whole letter it wasn't divided into chapters and verses but he's bouncing off of 15 and 16 here to move into chapter 2 verse 1 that's why but is there. We're going, to, we're going to look at these two first. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving. Now look at this. There's a comparison there. Defiled and unbelieving. Defiled is spiritually contaminated. Your life's polluted. There's things going on. In, in life, in your life that is unpleasing to God. It, it's, a, it's a cancer to you, so to speak, a spiritual cancer. You got something going on. That's what defiled is. You, and, and in another way, it's, it's, uh, it's blemishing. Defilement blemishes the entirety of the church. That's the problem. 
if the church is blemished and the church is defiled, then it cannot possibly fulfill the purpose of God. And that's why we see these instructions. And it gets right down to the nitty-gritty here in just a little bit. And like Paul, you know, I think y'all been around here long enough. I don't mind saying what God gives me to say. I really don't. My opinion is better that way. And I'm not talking about keying somebody out and making an example out of something, anything like that. That's not, I'm talking about, you know, we've, we've heard, we've used the word here, raw. The truth needs to be raw because people don't get it unless it's raw, especially nowadays. There's so many examples of, of the other that it's really hard to identify anymore with what's right and proper. All you got to do is look outside the walls of this church at the world around us. There's no value anymore. There's no modesty anymore. There, there's nothing out in this world that honors God whatsoever. Other than maybe creation. They know creation knows God. But as far as humans are involved, it's a sad state. And it's because humans have gotten so far out of line with the Word of God and the instructional purpose of the Lord that we could have a wonderful life, that we could really be the examples that we need to be for God which leads other people to God and to the saving grace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, <clears throat> unbelieving in that verse means basically infidels. Now, isn't that interesting? But you got defiled and you got infidels, but it's making a comparison. What he's saying, there's no difference. That That's a cruncher. If you, if you live a defiled life, a hypocritical life, you're no better than an infidel as far as purpose for God. Isn't that amazing? Many people don't see it that way. The, the, these scriptures are, are for corrective measure. It's not for beating and bashing and hammering. That's not what I'm doing tonight. This world is full of temptations that lead all of us down the wrong road if we allow it to. But this is corrective measure and these things that we're going to look at here in just a minute apply directly to every individual's life, every relationship, every family, and yes, even the church and society. Perfect model of God. Going to get into it. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Whose? He named two particulars. What were they? Defiled. The undefiled, or the defiled and the unbelievers. So that's what he's talking about. Their mind and conscience is defiled. You ever seen anybody that was just dead wrong as they could be, but they were convinced they were right? Yeah. <clears throat> Trying to convince everybody. Do you know you can get in a state of defilement that that's exactly you? And nobody can even tell you that you're living wrong or that you're committing sin. Or I'm telling you, our society is absolutely inundated with this attitude. That's why in God's Word we find over and over and over again corrective measures, God trying to bring people back in line or teach them in the first place, this is how you live righteously and for God. This is what pleases the Lord. This is what blesses Him. This is what takes you down the road of life successfully. Okay. Verse 16, then we're going to get into chapter 2. They Here it is. They profess that they know God. How many times have I said you can profess or say anything? Yeah. 
You can say you know God. That don't mean you know God. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Works. It's a little different meaning than building something or creating something. It's what you do with your life. It's your actions. It's everything you do. Folks, this is interesting stuff right here. In works, they deny Him. Because they live out of order with His Word, His will, and His purpose. Mm -hmm. And again, many times, they would never admit it, but many times never even know it and will not receive any good instruction to change their ways. That's the seriousness of the matter here. Being abominable and disobedient and to every good work reprobate. Now remember the comparison. <laughs> Compared with unbelievers, defile compared with unbelievers. They're both the same thing. Unprofitable to God. Really a, a blemish again to the willful purpose of God, which is what? <coughs> that all come to know His Son, Jesus Christ, in a relationship with Him, able to save them from their sins, change their destiny to heaven instead of hell. That's the purpose of God because He loves the world that He sent His only Son, right? Amen. But this is it. Now, I'm going to stop for any comment quickly and we're going to keep moving. Anybody got a thought that has kind of risen so far? You get those two verses, what I explained in those two verses, that makes sense to you? You see the comparison? It's not just to live like I want to and run and jump in church and then go live like I want to and run and jump in church over and over and over again. Uh, I'll argue the point any day of the week, any time, with people that have that ideology. The Bible's too clear on it. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. If you're, if you're, if you love this world, you're at enmity with God. And when I'm saying world, it's the things of the world, the sinful nature of the world, the carnality of the world. That's what it's talking about. Now, let's look. Verse one, chapter two. But. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen down the road. It's already present. Mm -hmm. Become, there doesn't mean like it might strike you to mean. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. What that's talking about, that is proper doctrine. Mm -hmm. That is godly doctrine. True. That is righteous doctrine that is good for the heart, good for the life, good for the soul doctrine. Doctrine being teachings, word, the doctrine of God. It's totally different than a doctrine of this world. And again, Paul is telling Titus, you've got to deliver this because this is the deciding factor that makes all the difference. But he further breaks it down. And this is where it really gets into the rub rub and gets abrasive because many reject it, especially this day we're living in. We're going to get there. We're going to see what he's talking about. Probably going to ask him, well, what difference does all this make? It makes a lot of difference. Okay. Listen to what verse 2 says. That the aged men be sober. Now, 
Remember, we're talking about sound doctrine, right? Amen. That the aged men be sober. Now, this has a twofold meaning, and one of them is down the road in years. But the other means spiritually mature. But they're coupled together. You can be very spiritually mature and really not be that aged. But on the other hand, we all know if one applies himself that with age comes wisdom. Wisdom is pretty much knowledge by experience. Amen. But he's speaking here. Pay attention here because he don't leave anybody out in these verses that we're going to be going through here. He talks to everybody. You, 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 don't, you don't tunnel on somebody. You, you, and some of the worst mistake that many preachers make is they just speak in generality because they're afraid that they're, they're going to say something that's going to offend somebody. They're going to touch somebody that's got something in their life that is meant for, to be conviction, never lambasting at all, but to bring people under conviction that they realize their defilement and they realize their situation is away from God and it develops a desire within them, turn to the Lord. Be washed and cleansed of this junk and be full of the presence of the Lord. Now, what's sober? That aged men be sober. We could take that two ways. And probably both would apply. We probably readily think, well, inebriated. Under the influence of substance or liquid or whatever. And that would be a good response because we know that nobody can really function well if that be the case, right? This was an issue in this day just like it's a huge issue today. And listen to me. God is able to deliver. If a person sets their heart and their will and they call on the Lord, you know, the Bible tells me if you call on the Lord in whatever situation you're in, He's faithful to listen. He's faithful to hear and he's faithful to help. Amen. So don't take this that we're trying to beat somebody up tonight in any of these instances that we're going to look at. Again, this is corrective measure. It's good instruction, good information to bring people back into where God wants them to be and where we need to be in order to have a joy-filled life in the Lord. So that's what this is about. Sober, in another sense, is ability to reason properly. Make good decisions, godly decisions, right decisions. Mostly spiritually prosperous decisions. This is where we separate things from spirituality. God wants us to be successful spiritually. Think spiritually. If you think spiritually, you'll find yourself getting more sober and sober. If you apply the scriptures by studying them, you will find over a period of time that things begin to happen that your thinking changes. Has that ever happened to anybody here? Oh, yeah. If your thinking changes, oh. your decisions change along with that. Is that right? That's right. From bad decisions to good decisions. This is, a, this is a roadmap for family right here. Man, it is right here. A wonderful, prosperous, God-living, happy, joyful family. That's where he's at. Because he knows he's going to be speaking to families. And a mixture. That takes a lot to make a family up, doesn't it? Who's it take to make families up? Who's who's involved in a family? What? 
What are they, though? Mother, father, father, children. Okay. Men, women, children, husbands, wives. We're going to get into that. Okay. Grave. In verse 2 still. Grave. We mentioned not long ago something along this line. Grave is uh, having a reverence and a respect. You think that makes any difference when that's applied? Oh, yeah, for sure. Just <clears throat> without naming, don't name names of instance, but just think about it probably hadn't been that long since probably some or maybe most of us in here has in some degree been disrespected. Am I right? Amen. Not that you took it and got all worked up about it, but I'm, I'm just saying that's the normal status quo of society today. There's no reverence and there's no respect. Well, these things are vacant because over a period of time it's been allowed to happen further and further and further away from respect and reverence. Here's the instructions right here. Grave, be respectful, be reverent. This is talking about the 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 really leaders in the church not so related to maybe their age being 90 or 100 but those that are, are elder spiritually because they become examples of everybody else what's an example for anybody here ever been a mentor for someone what is that what's a mentor someone you look up to. it's an example Think about that. If the church is full of bad examples, what's going to be the case? The following ones are going to probably adapt to that and be the same way. There's my model, so I'll be like them. Be it good or be it bad. Grave. Temperate. Notify, or you'll notice some of these are right out of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Temperate. Self-control. Keep your self-control. Keep your anger under wraps. Watch what you say. Watch how you act. Think back with men. Again, you don't have to name anybody. But, and I've had several conversations this week with just a few different ones about this we, we, us older guys like to think back to the past days when things were different when people did have respect when people did have reverence where, where there was not a lot of the things that we're seeing at least by volume acceleration today because of the lack of and how wonderful those times really were we didn't have all these modern trinkets and all these luxuries. I'm going to tell you what, we had happy families. Yeah. Most. I know there's, there's been issues all through history. But I'm brought back to, to the times that I had with my dad and my mom and my grandparents and those of old. I mean, respect and dignity was the name of the game. That's how people were. And something happened. Something happened. People got off the model that God laid in place a long, long time ago. Now, we're going to keep moving here. Sound in faith. 
What's that? Sound in faith. What's sound? Not wavering. Solid, not wavering, not moving, not giving in, not giving up, firmly attached. In what? Faith. Faith. You ever see so many loose faith people? Seriously? Now I'm not saying go pick somebody out and, and use them as a, a main example. I'm just I'm talking generally. Loose faith people. Not solid. Not founded. Not grounded. Word tells us to be grounded and settled in doctrine and faith. Know what your faith is. You can't be grounded in it unless you know what it is. What's our faith? Who's our faith? The Lord's our faith. The Word of God, what our faith is, that's what we live by, right? Very important that we understand this sound in faith. You, you don't you don't compromise. Oh my goodness. Is that not the attack today? Just to force compromise? Force you to compromise from what? Your faith. If you compromise your faith, you're not sound in faith. Wonderful examples. Wonderful instructions. Man, can put this guy together. We're building a man here. That's what we're doing. He's got to have a solid foundation under him, right? He's got to have reverence and respect for God. His, his faith has got to be in place. He's, he's got to have good sound reasoning. The longer I live, the more I'm convinced that good sound reasoning can only come from God. I don't care what title you got in front of your name. I don't care how many trillions of dollars you might have. I've seen some of the richest people on earth make us the dumbest decisions I've ever seen in my life. And of late, that is the absolute truth. Good sound reasoning. In charity, it's love. Notice these three. I'll go ahead and say them. Faith and charity and patience. There's an enduring patience and there's a waiting patience. Sometimes we endure through, right? Wait on the Lord. Amen. Enduring patience is probably, I would say, worse than waiting patience. Because endurance are some challenges. There's some slams and bangs in enduring faith. There's some hard knocks. Sometimes it's just, hey, let's wait. Two different things, both fitted though. Now we move to some ladies. Told you didn't leave anybody out. The aged women. Who's that? What's the next word say? Likewise. My Bible says likewise. What's that mean? Amen. I'm saying the same thing to them that I just said to the men. The aged women, likewise. What do you know what that means? We're just changing. Is it okay to say this? We're changing genders here. <laughs> men and there are only men and women, folks. If you want to go tell everybody out there, Rock Harbor says there's only men and women. That that is all it is. That's okay with me. That's fine. We got to stand up. Stand on our faith, right? Got to have sound faith. That's what's the matter with this society right now. People are doing everything they want to do, and it's 
totally contrary to God's word and God's will and God's purpose, and it's going over the cliff in a hurry. But look, go ahead and be kind of trying to figure in your mind as we go along this particulars of this, putting this together and, and really the kind of individual that we're, we're being built here before us. Think about that as we go along. What great difference it makes to have somebody like this compared to somebody that's totally different than that. The age women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. What's behavior? Break it down a little further. The way we live. How do we live? What is behavior? What's involved in how we live? What we speak. What we do. The way we look. The way we dress. I don't mind saying it, folks. I told you it's raw. I'm talking to men too. My goodness alive. Can you see the results all around us of people going the other direction other than God's proper and glorious and wonderful directive instructions that is so right in His Word lays it out to the extremes. But you know who Titus is going to be talking to here? Anybody like to stab a guess at who, whose responsibility or what responsibility is that Titus is going to be talking to? That Paul is telling Titus, who's he going to be talking to? The church. Mm -hmm. Come on. The church, because the church needs to be an example, and the church is made up of people. Mm -hmm. And I know there's attitude. It don't matter what I look like. It don't matter what I say. I'm my free person, and I've got my rights, and I'll do what I want to do, regardless of what anybody tells me. Why in the world is this stuff laid on preachers to talk about? Mm. Because they're the mouthpieces of God. Yeah. And if you stay within the confines of Scripture and you bring that to people, they don't have an excuse. And I'm not talking about wandering outside of the authority of Scripture and getting your own ideas and thoughts. If we stay within Scripture, we do well. Yeah. We've got to talk about this. <laughs> in behavior as becometh holiness. What's that? We hear that word all the time. What is it? As becometh holiness. Well, come on, I got so quiet all at once. Let's talk about this. That's what that's what we're here for. Has anybody noticed but me that of the deterioration in the church today? If you have any opportunity to view and Please listen to me. Sometimes it sounds like I'm a church beater. I'm not a church beater. I'm an observer, and I see over and over and over again the Word of God being absolutely destroyed when it comes to behavior from Christians or so-called Christians. Amen. And what happens, that weakens the church. When, when God's instructions and directives are taken out and replaced with something else, that weakens the church. That weakens the family. That weakens the individual. And we know individuals make up the relationships. They make up the families. They make up the churches. They make up society. This is a reciprocating issue that grows every time. 
constantly. Hey. Not false accusers. What is that? Anybody interested in knowing what that is? Backbiters, gossipers, slanders, go run and run your brothers and sisters down, yak, 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 chew them up. How damaging is that? Well, I just told one person. You tell one person, you know how that works. They're going to go tell somebody else. Oh, did you know? Yeah. Don't tell him. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. We're all, we've all experienced this, and I know what I'm talking about. It used to really bother me that everybody didn't like me. I wanted everybody to like me. You know what I found out? Everybody ain't going to like you. Well, that's a tough one when the church is supposed to love each other. But how do you love each other if you're chewing each other up and spitting each other out? You know what you're doing when you're gossiping? You're defaming people. Destructive. Hmm. Anybody want to inject anything in it? Feel all alone up here. What's the deal? Come on. <clears throat> Not given too much wine. Well, that we don't have that problem, do we? Not lately. <laughs> What's that do? Now, I understand the terminology here. It was wine in these days because that's about all that existed. It's a big thing today. Inhibitors of rational thought. How about that? Because why? Now, there's arguments on this one. You'll get arguments everywhere on this one right here. I know what the scripture says. Not given to much wine because why? Let's talk about it. Why? First of all, you don't sound mine. Right. Affects your mind, doesn't it? When it affects your mind, it affects you in totality. It affects what you say. And I've always found this. Inebriated people under whatever substance it might be don't make real good decisions. Sometimes some very, very bad decisions with some very, very bad consequences. Who's this talking to? The church. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, who's it talking to? Women. Women. Now, you'd think this would be addressing men, don't you? They're the guys that do this kind of stuff, right? Well, again, really what's being said to one is said to the other, okay? So let, let's don't get all, all uh, prejudiced about it and upset. You know, that, but we got to understand what's being said more than we're worried about who it's actually being directed to. Go ahead, Tim. One of the reasons that they said that was addressing women is because the role of the woman 
in the relationship between a husband and a wife, the woman in that culture was really to be silent and to, to kind of work in the background. The drunkenness pulled her out of that. She was loud and boisterous yeah. and, and so a lot of other things. Sort of a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I can yeah. And, and it, it, it's not, uh, I don't even know what, the, I hate these modern terms, I really do, I don't know what they call it now, but, but uh, and don't care, um, but the multiple things it causes, multiple things, uh, and many of them can't even be repaired. Uh, little leaven leavens a whole lump. Little bit gets bigger for long. Some of you probably got examples. We don't need any minds right now. Okay. Teachers of good things. Ladies, this is this is not uh, belittling you. This is building you up. If you get the full dose of the ingredients of these scriptures, this is honorable. It's not saying, oh, you're a bad female. But listen to me. What this is doing, again, is encouraging instructions to make ladies and men responsible, godly, prosperous to themselves, to their relationships, to their families, to their churches, to their communities. Because, see, in this time, these, these churches were growing, and the people that filled them were community members. So... Here's the rock in the pond again. If the church gets right, guess what? Leaks out into the community. Amen. Has a reciprocating results. Draws people. Wonderful information here. Teachers of good things. What good things? Godly. What kind of good? What? Godly. Godly. You know, that little word, G-O-O-D, contains a whole lot of things. What catch the Teachers. Did you catch the word, teachers? If you don't do good things, and you don't act good things, and you don't say good things, and you don't be good things, you can't teach good things. I don't care if you're a man or woman. Teachers. Who, who are we teaching? Or who are you teaching? Who's the women teaching here? Who? Anybody that's watching. Yeah. Namely, who? Younger, the children, younger, the, the rest of the children. Church. Them little ones that are ignorant and dumb and stupid that don't get nothing. Yes, they do. Absolutely, they do. And I, I use that lightly. I'm not talking about anybody's children. But as example, there, there's example here. This is example. When you can example a child in goodness, what are they most likely going to become? Good. Now they all have inherent trait of flesh like we do. Of doing things that are not right. But at least they have a good and proper example, a foundation to live, start living their lives off of. And this day, motherhood's disgraced. The term wife is despicable. Really? Now this is where we're at. This is where we're at in the American society. A place that used to be honorable and respectful and high. Look what they've done to it. Mm -hmm. Come on. I still respect mothers. Highly. Homemaker? 
somebody help me. What, what, what do you think the principle here of, of a, a mother teaching or a wife teaching good things in the home? Not just the children, but who else was in the home? Father. Brother Tanner said it eloquently the other night. Miss, she's got to line him up sometime. Really? Is that teaching? Amen. Amen. Judy used to have to line me up sometimes. I didn't really like it at times, but I'd go a while and I'd, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, she's right. Yeah, I didn't, you know, you never want to admit it at the time, but that's just another example. Who else is watching? I can tell you this, and she's not here anymore. That woman made who I am. It wasn't me. I give her full credit. She raised our children well. She lived a life of godliness. Yeah, I'm bragging on her. It's all right. And I never, ever from the night I first saw her till her dying day ever saw her reveal herself to a man in any shape form or fashion she stayed covered up Amen. well that doesn't really mean anything this day and time yet does oh yeah that does that they may teach the young women to be sober you're not sober. You can't teach anybody to be sober. Right. You don't have good thinking. You can't teach people to think good and properly and righteously and godly. You know, the infamous statement is, maybe it's not so much of what you say, but it's what people see you do. That's the teacher. That's the example. Any comments? I just did a uh, I just did a paper on my classes um, about my it was um, it was over mentors and it was over the first teacher that I taught under in Chickasha and and that's exactly what I put in there is she she taught more she taught me, me more by example than any of the trainings I ever went through and, I mean, it just goes. Go, I was sitting here thinking, I was like, man, that that my whole my all my whole essay was all about <laughs> how she exemplified herself, you know. And I mean, from greeting the kids to teaching them to being in the community and just overflowing, you know, with with the love that she had for children. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how we're supposed to mentor yeah. others. Yeah, that's all the difference. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um. Pastor? Yes. Just one quote. Uh, just one thing here. Um, the church was, a, at this time, the church was the centerpiece of, of um, controversy. Mm -hmm. The controversy place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when he's lining these things out, in a, in a sense, if I hope I can say this correctly, this was some of the biggest selling points of the church to 
in Jesus in Christ that people understood Good point. Yeah. that what they were they were representing the young women were in represent were representing the women were in representation the men were in representation mm -hmm. and so as he's lining these things up this is also to, to win souls that they yes. see the difference between absolutely one and yeah. another mm -hmm. that that's that's the end product yeah yeah well not the end product but it's right, the desired yeah. Product, yeah. yeah right. We know what the end product's going to be. Thanks, God. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. To love their husbands. Hmm. That sounds simple, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what to love their husbands. Yeah, husbands are supposed to love their wives too. It's a commitment. Why? Why can't two just live together and be familiar? What's love got to do with anything? Is love not the key foundation of a Christian principle? If the husband doesn't love his wife and the wife doesn't love her husband, I'm going to tell you what, they ain't going to be a real good relationship. And it's sure not going to be a good example. I said, people see genuine love. You don't have to say a word. They see it. That's why the model is here. Aged women teach young women how to love their husbands in this now listen that's why we need both aged women and understanding young women because there are discussions very rawly pastors cannot have with women that women can have with women and that's just plain and simple I'm making anything out of it mm -hmm. that's just the way it is see there's all these ingredients work together. We ain't even got near halfway through yet. We're about out of time. If I pick up here again next Wednesday night, we'll leave off. Love their husbands to love their children. Laying it out, item by item. To love their children. Which we know there's a great lack of, of this in our society today. Amen. Have you ever seen the lack of young teenagers that are going out and committing mass shootings? It's Like I said, it's almost every day now. I'm hearing more comments, not all that many, but more comments. Finally, it's not an object's fault. It's parents' fault. Come on. In most instances, mm -hmm. by not disciplining their children, discipline's love, folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just because you discipline your child does not well, mean that you don't sense. love them. You love them if you properly discipline them. Right. If sometimes no is the answer they don't like, but it's the answer they need. Yes, amen. American family is so fragmented and disassociated now, and and uh, certain communities, I think the 
the single parent is, is like 50 percent or more now girls need daddies and boys need mamas and they both need both and I know sometimes due to situations that's not possible and that's not what I'm talking about but children need guidance and they need guidance of love even if it is discipline and taught to be obedient we're going to try to yeah, we're going to stop right here because this, this gets deep. Keep that marked. We're, we're, going to, we're going to pick up on this next week because this is going to go all through this chapter. If you want to be reading ahead and studying it ahead of time, please do so. Let's finish up tonight with maybe a few more comments or uh, disagree to what I've said or agree, whatever. Where are you at? Anybody? about the, the older women and the younger women that get through to me it was kind of like you know it's what is that saying about be who you are when no one's looking that, that's kind of like what it that, seems that's like pretty much the way you're me. that way all the time right but yeah. but that's you know it went back to being the sober and, and that's just what it seemed like to me yeah. Well, it's a lifestyle. Right. That's what it's driving at. Uh, and the, when, when a person receives instruction and develops it and then adheres to it, it becomes part of them. And that's who they are. That's the principle here. And again, where it's speaking, I'll say it again, where it's speaking delays, it's not a dishonorable thing. It's not a, a bad command. It's an honorable instruction because the result of that is happiness and joy and true true love. I mean, it, it's, it makes all the difference. And that's what really, and ultimately, that, that's what changes things. That's what changes things. Anybody else? <coughs> Nothing? Anybody afraid to say anything? <laughs> Might be. I got a whole history. I mentioned a couple of times at least, I mentioned raw. Can we talk about that just a couple of minutes? There's a refraining from, when it comes to the Word of God, from getting raw. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier. But this day and time we're living in, we've got to put salt in the wound, folks. Mm. We've got to make people understand as much as we can what God expects. Uh -huh. That's my responsibility. Not brutal. Not mean. Simply getting the word out and getting it in people where they can hopefully apply it. Hopefully, see the results. Rick? Um, hope I don't mess up here. Uh, I heard something tonight on the news before I came to church. Uh, uh, China is bought, and I'm not talking about the land here in the United States, they have bought land in China. They own tons of land over there and minerals and 
surface rights and all the mineral rights and stuff. China's over there building roads and homes and water infrastructure and and all that stuff for these people, and they're going to start mining over there. And you know who the United States is sending over there while all this is going on? This lady that teaches. Told me. That embarrassed me so bad I couldn't only seem to listen to it. That's where we're at, brother. That's where I we're mean, at. It's I in the high echelons. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. That's why we need models. They're going to carry those flags over there, the, the gay flags. They're going to they're carry those over there. They're going to carry some books. They're going to teach these people how to do this and this and this uh, that we're doing here in the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, it's, uh, it's worse than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's demonic. Mm -hmm. Man. It, it's demonic. It uh, fits right in with everything else going on, and there is a lot going on. Uh, I don't agree with anything China does, nothing. But it was just the thought of what well, they're doing for those people. Yet, yet our president sends somebody over there to teach uh, woke and uh, well yeah. first thing you got to understand is China is a godless nation yes I anybody that even begins to practice Christianity in China has to hide I mean hide good and mm -hmm. a lot of times they're sought out and killed because of it they're godless they don't have any concept of God whatsoever they absolute atheist and they're not the only nation that way so what can we expect out of that setting everything so and so's got to unleash they're just at will to do whatever um, we could go on tonight and well we're well past time now no it's just it's signs of the times it's where we're at and uh, you know I'm not saying anything about what we've talked about tonight is easy because everything's against us. Every mechanism working in this world is against us. Becoming more increasingly so. I'm talking as Christians. With Christian beliefs and Christian doctrine and belief in God and belief in Christ, we are constantly bombarded, lambasted, and attempting to be annihilated. That, that's, on, that's on the plans. Uh, that may sound far-fetched, but I guarantee you, you wait a few years. It may not have to be that long. Uh, because it's very evident of what's taking place now. But the best thing we can do is be examples and models, godly examples and godly models. Amen. Makes all the difference. Would you stand? We'll dismiss. Thank you all for your your comments. Oh, good. Yes. Appreciate you. We'll be back into this next week. We got a. I'll, I'll kind of give a little summary of where we're at tonight. Not take a lot of time next week, but uh, we'll get on through the rest of this. Pray for Sister Thelma. I went over to this this morning, and she uh, she was really, really down and out for one thing, and really in uh, pain, and they just can't figure out what's wrong with her. Uh, she's still in the hospital. But she's still in the hospital at Ardmore Room 208. You, even everybody, if you get a chance, and this is something, please, if you can, not just her, but anybody that is in a situation like this. They love to see people. Mm -hmm. They love to have somebody come by that they're familiar with, church people especially. Uh, 
But I had prayer with her, and I, the Lord gave me some scriptures, scriptures before everyone over there. And these scriptures come right up, right out of my wife's little book that she sat for a month or better and wrote in her own handwriting that scripture. And I look at one of them every morning, and I dwell on it. One scripture every morning. The one this morning was out of Psalms 107, and I took that and read it to Sister Thelma, and she had a glory time laying there in that Amen. bed hurting and full of pain and telling me herself right before that I just don't know if I'm going to make it or not when I left she was still praising the Lord Amen. and speaking in tongues brother Jim couldn't be here tonight he had a dishes spell pray for brother Jim Rich uh, others uh, be conscious and pray for people folks we, we've got to we've got to unite we've got to get in accord we've We've got to pass animosity and whatever. I mean, anything. Don't let anything develop with you. If, if you don't love, learn to love. That, that's, where, that's where it's got to be at. So God bless you tonight. We're going to dismiss in prayer. Ask Brother Doty, if you will, would you dismiss us? Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask you tonight to watch over Sister Thelma and all the people that's in her position, Lord. I've got a sister in the hospital too, Lord. Look over her the same way, Lord. We ask you in prayer that all these people, even the ones that's not in that situation, Lord, to watch over them. Keep our hearts strong, Lord. Keep our faith high, Lord. Yes, Lord keep Jesus. Keep us all yes. together, Lord. Keep us in this battle. Keep us in this fight, Lord. Keep us all together, Lord. In the name of our Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. God bless you all.